He released his second album titled Midnight earlier this year and he's travelled the world playing music and sharing his story. We're delighted to have Lewis Watson on this month's episode. Gigging NI, the home of music in Northern Ireland. Hello everyone and welcome to the Gigging NI podcast, episode number 3 for August 2017. Um, it's a singer-songwriter month for us with English singer-songwriter Lewis Watson on the show, as well as Belfast-based Rebecca Fitch. Uh, last month we were joined by Danny O'Reilly from The Croonas, who talked about their latest album and their massive outdoor show in Dublin to over 15,000 people. Um, he was a really nice guy and I would definitely recommend checking that episode out and it can be streamed on our website and also be found on iTunes too. Um, of course, don't forget to subscribe there as well. And both Sunflower Fest and Standhal festivals happened as well and they both blew us away. Uh, we've got some amazing photographs of the bands and there is actually quite a good chance that you might have had your photo taken by one of our photographers so why don't you get over on over to our facebook page or our website and try and find yourself amongst all the pictures there is quite a few of them um but yes let's not waste any more time and let's kick straight into part one of our interview with lewis watson when your hair spills light on my shoulders and your eyes white emerald green you are the love warm when it gets colder the silver sunset watching the sea But as the grey notes sing through the windows Where do you go? Why do you leave? And as the waves grow harder days go Darling, I'm folding on my knees I'd like to welcome Lewis Watson onto the show today. So Lewis, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I am perfectly well. Now, Lewis Watson is a singer-songwriter from Oxfordshire in England, and his latest album, Midnight, was released earlier this year. Now, Lewis, how do you feel about being a musician and being able to travel the world playing music? Is it something that all your dreams have came true? Yeah, definitely. This is something that never picked up the guitar because I thought it would be far too hard. Um you know even to do as a hobby so to, to to be able to be here you know eight eight years down the line and and actually doing this as, as a career and and going to places that i never even thought i'd go you know for leisure is is unreal i, I pitch myself every day I'm, I'm very lucky and i'm very grateful as a child can you remember what you wanted to be whenever you grew up because like i read you only started playing guitar in your teens do you know no, I, I think i just wanted to be as as smart as i could um I was probably a little terror at school, but um, <laughs> I tried hard, and and you know I was I was I was very smart, you know, and and I think that's uh, I'm a bit biased because you know I am myself, but uh, <laughs> I think I just wanted to to you know not put all of my eggs into into one basket and and be as good as I can at everything. So I played a lot of sports. I was a I was a county level goalkeeper in, in football, and and I. Uh, I had county trials for cricket as well, and I, I played uh, a lot of sports and, and just concentrated in school. And, and then when I 
kind of felt that that uh you know passion for music really really rise up and and you know take a hold of my ambitions that's that's when i started uh you know considering that i should i should even learn an instrument let alone you know think about taking it 100% seriously and, and trying to apply myself enough to, to make a career out of it so yeah. no I, I had no idea I was just wondering you know kind of blankly through through the abyss of the <laughs> teens and uh, and just trying to be as good as I can at everything I think did you ever think about what you what you might be if you weren't a musician though I don't know because I I went I studied music technology at college so I feel like if if you know it didn't happen for me as a as being a musician then i would still be involved in music production or live sound or, or yeah. maybe within a label or something so I, you know i think that even even if you know this wasn't my my livelihood and my, and my living i would still be doing it on the side as well as pursuing some kind of career in music i think yeah. it was just it's far too important for me just to you know not to pursue it as a career i think so yeah, yeah i think i'd still be w within the music industry hopefully anyway yeah now i believe you first sort of started out recovering like uh just doing cover songs and putting them onto mm -hmm. youtube out of interest mm -hmm. would you ever like go back and watch your very first videos you've ever put up that was the reason i i uploaded to youtube youtube is very new uh you know for everybody and, and i really didn't understand what it was and and so the only reason I uploaded stuff to YouTube is that I had a, a real crappy, you know, webcam or, or I'd use my phone and, and I'd record me playing a song that I love and then a few weeks later I'd watch it and, and you know, hopefully I would have improved by then and, and you know, I could say, oh, my, my G chord's quite, you know, strong there, but when I, trans, you know, when I yeah. go to the, the D major, it's, it's not strong and, and it's just, it was all self-evaluation for me mm -hmm. um, anyway. Uh, because I knew that, you know, I had the guitar for a few weeks. I knew that I was good enough. I knew that people wouldn't want to, to watch that for, for pleasure or for, well, maybe for a different kind of entertainment, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, not enjoying the music. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I, I never thought anybody else would watch them. I, I uploaded it under a, a different name and, yeah. and you know, just, just wanted to keep it as to myself as, as much as possible. Little do I know that I could have just, you know, kept them on private or <laughs> yeah. kept them on my hard drive or, or whatever um and and so yeah i used to watch them a lot you know when when i first started now you, you couldn't catch me watching them you know <laughs> at all that i <laughs> that really makes me feel uncomfortable um <laughs> which is uh which is strange i guess because you know as i say i'm f fully aware that they, that they aren't very good so maybe i should just accept that and, and watch them but i don't know it it, it does make me feel very sweaty and, and warm and, and i don't like that <laughs> did you record your cover songs first or did you have like a few original songs before then and when when did the, uh, when was the point you sort of actually started writing your own original songs well the, the reason i picked up the guitar really was was to write uh original songs i was i was really into poetry when i was really young when i was you know eight or nine I, i'd write poems every day it was something that i i loved i was learning you know the english language and, and being able to to make a song without music basically yeah. was really appealing to me as a young kid you know because i we didn't have nobody played instruments in my family so i didn't have access to any instruments or anything like that so mm -hmm. i kind of made you know do with what i had and um and so for me to learn learning the guitar was was 
a way to put music to those poems and and that was something that that's the main reason i picked up the guitar the cover songs for me were were a way to teach myself guitar because you know i i couldn't afford lessons and 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 it was something that i know how these songs should sound you know they're my favorite songs so i know if i'm doing it well or or not well at all or you know if the chords are too difficult whatever it may be and and so what i do is i'd learn a song and then i'd write a song with those same chords you know maybe yeah. in a different order or, or a different tempo whatever it may be mm-hmm. but it was it was the cover songs for me were, were just a real uh to bridge the gap from not knowing how to play guitar to you know, having at least a, a bit of knowledge um, yeah. and it, it wasn't until a, a little while after that i really started to you know discover that, that it is possible to to take somebody else's song and, and make it your own and 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 to really enjoy that process and that's something that you know i i'll sit around and and you know cover that new charlie xcx song or, or something and, and nobody will hear it but it's something for me just to get a new perspective on you know certain chords or certain melodies or something so it's a yeah. real kind of learning process for me but at the time it was it was strictly just just to learn how to play chords yeah then after you sort of you wrote a few songs then you released it was your first ep it, it's got mm-hmm. four sad songs on it by the way um yeah <laughs> i i read that you sort of set out that ep is like a story how would you? How do you feel about the whole style of concept writing and in albums? And is it something that you enjoy? Yeah, it's something that I'm not very good at, unfortunately. I I love albums that that you know drift in between songs. In fact, uh, an Atlanta band uh, just came out with with their oh god like fifth or sixth record now. They're a band called Manchester Orchestra, yes. um, and and the album's called A Black Mile to the Surface. And they're one of my favorite uh, uh, bands. And and this album, there there is a section. I mean, it is a fluid album, but there's a section. Uh, I think it's like track five, six, and seven, three mm-hmm. songs that that really just drift into each other, and it could be one song, and yes. and I love that. You know, I I listen to those three songs on on repeat um, because it's just such a cool experience to drift between you know different melodies, different chords, different um, you know sentiments behind the songs, but it all kind of transitions so beautifully, and that's something that I wish I could do. It's it, you know I haven't really explored that yet. Um, fortunately for me that, that that first EP just you know I was I was going through a breakup at the time and, and then meeting somebody new and, and it was the order that I wrote the songs in yeah. it kind of felt like a, a real story um, and not so much sonically or musically you know the chords are, are different and the keys are different and, yeah. and everything like that but but it is um, the, the sentiment behind the songs are all you know story based and, and it tells a story and, and yeah I wish I could do do that more you know some of my favorite records are are those kind of fluid albums that you need to listen to you know from track one to track 11 yeah. or whatever it may be um and and so yeah maybe one day I'll, I'll you know gain the ability to <laughs> and the talent to be able to do that but yeah it's something that i, I haven't really uh, uh explored so far just because it seems so difficult so. Yeah. <laughs> the success of the first ep then obviously led you to sign to your record label what what were the positives and negatives for the record label and for obviously for yourself at that stage of your career? Yeah, it was it was something that you know I'm, I'm very grateful it happened and, and there, there are no regrets on my side. Um, you know, in, in signing the deal, it was to a major record label, and I was 18 years old. You know, this is something that excited me, and yeah. and you know I was very naive at that age, and and having studied music technology, you know I was told to be wary of the major record labels, and and you know all all of the cliches that you hear, mm-hmm. um, but they were good to me, and and you know I feel like I was in good hands, um, 
you know, for a time there. Uh, unfortunately, we just fell out of sync. And, you know, I had had a, a taste of success at having, you know, individ, uh, independently releasing my first EP and, and it doing somehow it doing really well. <laughs> and uh, and that was something that I was chasing. You know, I wanted that and I wanted yeah. to repeat that with, with the record label. And, um, and, you know, I'm sure they did as well. But they saw me as a developing artist, which, of course, I was. And, and they just kind of, you know, I, I think just had a different vision as to what I was doing. You know, the reason I signed with Warner Brothers is because they had such a good singer-songwriter roster. You know, yeah. Damien Rice, Ray LaMontagne, David Gray, these people that kind of the, the, the darker side of the spectrum in, yeah. in singer-songwriting, you know. And, and I loved that. And, and that was something that I really wanted to to chase and, and achieve. Um and however, you know, having a few kind of radio plays on, on my first EP, uh, the label wanted to repeat that. And, and the way they saw that, you know, the easiest way to do that, the quickest way to do that was to for me to kind of go on the poppier side of, of things, which, you know, is, is also fine. But it's just a different vision mm-hmm. uh, to mine. And, and I feel that, as I said, I was 18, 19 and, and so grateful to be in that position. That I just started saying yes to everything, you know, even stuff that kind of went against my... Uh, you know creative fiber you know yeah. oh, I, I don't want to release that song because it's you know i kind of wrote that from the the perspective of somebody else and, mm-hmm. and maybe somebody else can have that song or whatever but it just kind of i just started saying yes to everything and, and then slowly kind of realized you know hang on i'm becoming an artist that i know that in five years i'll look back on and and not be proud of this so i, I need to you know, really pump the brakes and, and kind of get my side of the, the argument across and just say that this isn't who I want to become. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that maybe it kind of, you know, looking back on it, if I did continue doing that, I could be in a very different position right now. You know, I could, I could be a bit more successful, but it's something that I am so glad that I, you know, kind of nipped that in the bud and, and started doing what I wanted to do. And, you know, it's a shame that it kind of came at the cost of, of that relationship with, with Warner Brothers. Like I said, yeah. there, there's no black, bad blood there or anything. You know, I walked away from that deal and, and I'm sure they see it as, you know, the same thing. They walked away from, from the deal and, and I feel like I, certainly I'm stronger because of it. You know, the second record was made without any uh, label intervention. This is this is made by me and my friends and my yeah. band in, in a room for two and a half weeks and, and then we kind of started to consider label interest and and so that for me was was something that i really wanted to do and, and i'm so glad that i did i think yeah. you know you can really hear the evolution of, of not only my musicianship but but as me as a, as a person so i'm very proud that i did that but yeah no that as i say it's, it's not a bad thing i just feel like you have to go through the kind of gears and, and the motions of the music industry to really understand it because there, there are a lot of hidden politics there are a lot of you know, people that will say one thing and do another thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think that I am glad that I've gone through the mill of, of the music industry. And, and as I say, I feel like I'm better off because of it. That's part one there of our interview with Lewis Watson. He'll be playing at the OES Centre in Belfast on the 23rd of September 2017. So don't miss that. Um, tickets are still available for purchase and of course more information can be found on our website giggingni.com um, I'd also like to give a shout out to one of our sponsors The Mac who are holding two shows in September that you should definitely consider uh, Pulitzer Prize winning Irish poet Paul Muldoon and his house band will return to Belfast alongside special guest Duke Special on the 2nd of September 
and the tickets are priced from £20 for that one. And Bezork, a ten-piece fusion group whose compositions are influenced by Irish, European and Middle Eastern sounds. And they will perform at the Mac Belfast on the 7th of September. So yeah, expect brass, strings, woodwind combined with hints of jazz and funk for that one. And tickets are still available for purchase, priced around £12.50. And you can find more information about those gigs on themaclive.com. That's themaclive.com. So I'd like to welcome Rebecca Fitch onto the show today. How are you today, Rebecca? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. How are you? I am great. Now, Rebecca is a singer-songwriter based in Belfast who started writing songs at the age of 16. Uh, can we start by asking you about your background? Like, did you have a, a childhood filled with music? Yeah, I was heavily involved in music right from the start of school. I, I played flute and piano um, right through school. I was part of choirs and orchestras and bands and things like that. So it's been a massive part of my growing up and my school life. Um, my parents are both really interested in music. My mum played some instruments and my dad's always listening to music. So I was very fortunate in that aspect to be encouraged to do it um, as much as I did. So yeah, it was it was a massive part of my growing up. What were your parents listening to bit out of interest? Do you know? Um, my dad listens to, well, he listens to quite a bit of Northern Irish punk, actually. He's a big fan of the undertones and different nice. thinkers. But he also loves um, like Bruce Springsteen, U2, Bob Dylan, all those kind of classics as well. So that's kind of the soundtrack to my childhood. Nice. Now, um, not a bad soundtrack, though. Definitely not. Now, obviously, you're you're sort of a singer-songwriter. Who would you say at the moment are your main influences um, musically and then personally? Um, I've got quite a few influences. Um, whenever I tend to think of them, I realise how many of them are actually female, which is like <laughs> my role models. Um, so I, I always say Florence and the Machine first, I think. She's just got this incredibly new sound that no one else has really done. Um, and, you know, great melodies, but kind of experimental at the same time. And I think that's a lot of the influences that I have are that kind of vibe, you know, like really strong melodies, but they're trying new things in the production. So people like um, Sia and Lord and Black Keys, but I'm a massive fan of Bjork and nice. uh, Sigur Ross as well. I think they're amazing. Um yeah, in terms of the production, I could just listen to that all day. They're amazing. Nice. Um, and then recently, I've been getting into like trip hop stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like laid back, but just has a really good beat to it. Um, like Portishead and some of the Chet Baker stuff, um, cool. Gorillas as well. So all that kind of just yeah, it just gets me really excited. Really new stuff, but stuff that you can really get your teeth into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, I noticed you started like sort of recording some cover videos and like so YouTube and stuff and Facebook. Uh-huh. Did you do that uh, almost purposefully to try and build an audience towards so the so they kind of know you and then obviously you can sort of direct them towards your original music after that? Yeah, I think what I did was kind of a tried and tested way of building an audience. You know, a lot of people put up cover videos because people are more likely to listen to songs that they know and listen to new versions of things that they recognize and mm-hmm. I kind of saw that and was like yep not a bad idea um nice. you know I love to sing songs that other people have written you know when I really like them so um putting up cover videos is kind of just what everyone was doing I guess and yeah. and it just seemed like a, a good way of building an audience so people are listening to what they know um and then you gain traction and kind of test the water for how it's being received um but I knew from the start that cover cover songs wasn't really my main aim and I mm-hmm. did want to write my own material and, and work on new things and my own ideas and stuff that was personal to me so 
yeah, I think it, it's a good way of building an audience. Um, but I think I was quite wary of doing that for too long and then getting labelled as cover yeah. artist or someone who doesn't like my own stuff. So yeah. trying to find that balance. Did songwriter, songwriting come naturally to you then? Um, I think it did. Like, I'm not really much of a writer in terms of I wouldn't write blogs or, you know, my friend, I've got a friend who's written a novel and I never do that. Wow. <laughs> it's a bit too much for me. Um, it's really impressive, but um, the music was and the melody and the sounds is always stuff that really interested me and that's what I love to playing around with. So mm-hmm. um, the melodies tend to come quite naturally to me and, and then I have to kind of springboard off that and find um, a topic or lyrics that fit what the music's saying yeah. and then if I like the melody and the music enough then I really work on that to get to get good lyrics and, and you know a wholesome song that works together yeah, um, awesome. so the lyrics for me take a bit more work but I think they're very important um, but yeah I, I think it does come quite naturally but it's still it's still always a work in progress you know you can always be improving yeah, yeah. now obviously moving sort of away from recording and stuff your first mm-hmm. time busking can you remember it and how did how did you feel about it yeah, I remember it so clearly. Um, so the person I normally go busking with is a friend of mine called Elliot, and he plays acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, and we, our family, share um, a holiday house up north in Port Stewart. So mm-hmm. one summer we just decided to go busking in Coleraine. Um, and it was it was really weird because you kind of just walk into the street, you know, holding a guitar, and you're like, right, so do we just start or like what yeah. what do we do? So we just kind of stood there and we're like, okay, should we should we just start? Like, should we just start playing in this open air place with these people walking around? It was really weird. You didn't really think about it when you watch other people because you're so used to it. But when yeah. it's actually you, I remember doing it for the first time. It's just like, is is it okay to just start playing? Was it was it nerve wracking? Fun. Um, I didn't think it was nerve wracking. It was just a bit weird. But like once you kind of get started, you know, it was good. We only had about six songs in our repertoire at the start, so we must have played those songs about like <laughs> you know five or six times each. But it was it was good fun. You know, it was easier for me because you know I'm not having to play guitar for a couple of hours. But yeah. it was and and as well, um, we didn't really expect to make that much. You know, we didn't know how lucrative busking actually was. So mm-hmm. we kind of set out thinking, you know, if we'd make maybe twenty quid in a couple of hours. But we made like nearly a hundred quid and wow. one guy gave us a tenner to get our lunch and we were like, we need to do this more often, this <laughs> <Nice>. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of the start of my busking life. But yeah, it was a good start. <laughs> now, going on to sort of like a few years down the line, what are your what mm-hmm. are your main ambitions now? Like obviously, are you looking to do this full time? Yeah, well, I think now that I've graduated and I've moved back home again, that's kind of what I'm starting out doing. You know, I want to do this full time and I want to do this as a career. So now I've left uni, I'm kind of trying to figure out a plan for what to do next and mm-hmm. um, try to structure that because at the moment I've just got all of these days to do loads of stuff but I don't really know what to start with or how to approach it. So at the moment I'm trying to figure out some kind of a plan. Um, but ultimately I want to build a career and take it as far as I can. You know, I'm very motivated and determined to do that. I just want to create music that, that people will, will love and music that will have an impact yeah, I, I just can't wait to write and release more and, and hopefully tour soon and just gig as much as I can. Yeah. Um, just jam-packed full of that at the moment. I need to figure out some kind of structure for that and what, what um, my daily life's going to look like. But yeah, the plan is to just 
really get going with it and hopefully hit the ground running um now that i've got all this time on my hands so i'm really <laughs> looking forward to that yeah now you, you've sent you've sent the three a couple of singles to us at gigging and i have, have you yeah. ever thought about sort of grouping them together and maybe doing like an ep or an album yeah i think i started in a weird way like this first three songs i released i recorded all at once and there were there were three songs that i'd written over the course of maybe you know three or four years so they weren't really together like mm-hmm. an ep would be or an album would be you know that you write songs to coherently fit together and that complement each other they were just kind of three songs that had stuck with me and were kind of the best of what i'd written yeah and um, and then i did decide to put that on like a hard copy physical ep just mm-hmm. so it was you know i could sell it at gigs and um hand it around to people um so I recorded Hosanna for that as well to kind of make a standard four-track EP as as a physical copy. Um, but I think now that I've done that, I think releasing singles, you know, to start with was really good because I could just keep keep pushing stuff, you know, PR stuff. There was always something going on, yeah. And a really steady stream of of releases, which I think was quite helpful for getting started. Um, but now that I've kind of done some releases already, I now understand. Um, how EPs and albums work in terms of writing songs that complement each other and do you have an overall kind of storyline or a theme or whatever and um, I definitely want to do that like it's so exciting to kind of write songs that think that you can have connections between and um, songs that go together so yeah I'm really excited to do that. Would you have any advice we do have quite a, a young following in Gigan and I who obviously follow our Gigan intimates and stuff would you have uh-huh. any advice for people possibly considering writing their own material or going into the studio to record your stuff and like maybe starting to busk would you have any advice for them uh yeah definitely i feel like over this past year i've learned so much <laughs> um but just go for it you know don't hold back i remember even when i was making a facebook page i was like oh this is so cringy i can't believe i'm making a <laughs> facebook page for myself like it's just so embarrassing but honestly just forget about it and do it um and don't be afraid to experiment with stuff that's where I've had a lot of fun, you know, different different sounds, different techniques, different um different things to do in your live performances that are different from other people's. Mm-hmm. Um so stuff like I do a lot of looping and stuff through my laptop on main stage and that's so fun to hear people's reactions to that because it's it's different and people are like, Oh, you've got so many pedals, there's so much going on, how do you do this? And it's such a great conversation when people are interested in what you do and you're interested in what you do. So um, yeah, well, firstly, I'd say, yeah, experiment with stuff and, and try out new stuff and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think figuring out what kind of art you want to create. I think when I started out releasing those initial singles, I was just putting out songs that I thought were okay. Yeah. Um, and it's only been this year, especially, you know, focusing on my degree and my electronic composition aspect of that, that I've kind of figured out what style I want to do and what the overall kind of persona and idea and branding and everything that fits together is. Um, so have fun with that and just kind of take time figuring out who you are and what you want to say to people and what kind of what kind of art you want to create. Um, it takes time, but it's really cool once you kind of find your identity in, in your music. Um, and also when you're starting out, you've got to be bold. Um, push any doors that come up. Um, and don't be afraid. You know, you've you've got to be quite quite bold sometimes in terms yeah, of meeting people, emailing people. Um, it's fun, but sometimes it can be challenging, and you do have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. But yeah. try and meet as many people as you can. Um, but there's a really great community in Northern Ireland, so 
you'll find so much encouragement if you if you're working hard um it'll pay off so yeah just go for it nothing to lose it's really exciting (laughs) yeah now we're going to be playing your track another show at the end of our podcast Um, Mm and but before we do that uh, where can people find out more about you just the standard places like facebook twitter i've got a website rebeccapitch.com instagram all those things um but when i'm doing stuff like this i always have to spell my name because it's not the standard spelling of rebecca (laughs) so it's r-e-b-e-k-a-h-f-i-t-c-h um yeah so search that and hopefully hopefully you'll find me um yeah perfect now thanks for joining us in the show today Um, thanks so much for having me mark not a problem Would it be fair to say that you take inspiration from and maybe you might have learned lessons from like other solo musicians and their experiences? For me, you know, my music is, is so personal and, and I only really write about things that I've done or things that I've been through or, or you know, maybe a close friend has been through and I, I've been, you know, there beside them, you know, in that position. So so for me, it's 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 slightly different. But yeah, I think that people write songs about anything nowadays and, and if it's, you know, if it can be a, a constructive, you know, uh, outlook on, on something that's happened to somebody else and yeah, that's great. And, and I feel like, yeah, a lot of people will. As a singer-songwriter, whenever you go on tour, do you like to be in by yourself on stage or is it something you, you like to have your band with you on the stage? It's different. I've actually experienced kind of every level and, uh, uh you know kind of um orientation of, of the band that i i can this year i i toured with with my full band we're, we're five piece um mm-hmm. in march and april around the uk and and europe um unfortunately not for northern ireland or or ireland but but mm-hmm. we're coming this later this year um and uh and i love that you know it's a, it's a different kind of show i love being able to you know the energy that comes along with it and, and having four other people on stage really helps you know beef out the sound and and helps replicate the, the sound on on the album and i love that uh but i i toured i think i've been to the states now four times this year already and, and i did a three-week tour over there completely by myself um nice. i didn't have a manager or a sound guy or anything and and uh i just i went out and you know played the show solo and sold my merch after the gig met every single person that came to the gig got to the airport myself and and that for me you know, for the first like two days, I, I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I'm not a very good sleeper. Um, actually, I just yesterday I slept for about two hours from like half seven a.m. after laying in bed for what seemed like two weeks. Um, <laughs> it was it, it was a horrible. I thought I was getting on top of it, but apparently not. Um, but yeah, I'm not a great sleeper, and I think that touring by myself gives me that freedom to to just go to sleep whenever I want, you know, and, yeah. and I don't feel obliged to, to stay up and go out or, you know, go for dinner or whatever. I could just order in and go to sleep early. And I think that that's important because, you know, the voice is a muscle and, and as soon as you kind of lack sleep, it's the first thing that goes. And, yeah. and so that is unfair for me to travel across the world and, and you know, give kind of half hours the show to these people that have paid, you know, to see me is unfair of me. So mm-hmm. 
what was good about being solo is that I could do that, but it was terribly lonely and it was something that I will never do again. Um, you know, as long as I have something to say about it, because it was just, it was extremely difficult mentally to, to be a hundred percent all of the time. You yeah. know, I was, I was playing shows to 300, 400, 500 people and, and loving it, absolutely loving it. And then going to the dressing room and just having nobody to share, yeah. you know, that experience with. So I was going from like, this massive high to this this real low and then five minutes after that I was going out to the merch table to meet these 300, 400, 500 people and to sell merch and having to be 100% again it was just such a kind of Worldwind. you know tricky tricky time to be, do all of this kind of mental acrobatics and and, uh, and so you know I think I could handle that for a week uh, but you know at the end of the three weeks I was, I was just about ready to kind of never experience it again um yeah. and it was it was great logistically you know i i actually made a bit of money and and for anybody you know who isn't from the u.s to, to tour the u.s and make money is unheard of you know unless you're unless you're t doing stadiums or, or whatever it's it's something that is incredibly difficult so i am proud you know that that has happened but and it kind of softens the blow but it's just not worth it you know yeah. i take a loss and and enjoy it you know over making a bit of money and, and kind of really starting to loathe touring alone. Um, yeah. So yeah, as far as the, the music goes and the, and the show goes, I, I love both, you know, I love being able to show, show off the songs in their kind of demo state and, and how I wrote them. Yeah. And you know, if, if my favorite band or artist did a solo show, I would love to go there, you know, just to hear the separate side of the song. Yeah, um, but I love touring with the band and, and, you know, having that, that energy there. And actually on this September tour, uh, we're doing a kind of, um, trio, uh, band for the shows. Um, mm -hmm. just because, uh, I'm releasing something around that time that that is more reminiscent of, of the kind of solo singer songwriter stuff. And, and I yeah. wanted to, to have a band with me, but it not be the full band. So we're actually changing the show up a bit and the songs will be slightly, you know, different and, and kind of in their demo state, but with a bit of help from, from, a you know, a band. So that's something that, that's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to do. I've never done that. So obviously you're coming to Belfast uh, later this mm -hmm. year. How would you like sort of go around the cities you're traveling in or would it sometimes just be you arrive in the city quite late sound check stage and away again do you ever sort of take time to to go around the cities if you have time i wish i could it's it's actually one of the the few frustrations of you know this kind of line of work is that i go to all these places but i never i'm, I'm never really there you know yeah. i i show up i check into a hotel i have a shower i sound check i play a gig i go to bed i wake up and i fly out and it's something yeah. that it's something that didn't bother me at first because I just thought, you know, oh, I'll be back next year and, and I could, you know, do this or, or whatever. But then I started going kind of, you know, further out and, and we went to um, Manila, we went to the Philippines and, and I I can almost, unless my music takes takes me there, I can almost guarantee that I will never have the opportunity to go back to Manila. And, and you know, my experience with Manila was hotel rooms and backstage at, yeah. at a festival. And it's something that that actually does sadden me because you know i i love the kind of uh being able to travel and it's something as i say i'm, I'm extremely lucky to be able to do but I, i'm never really never experience it yeah a shower is a shower wherever it is you know yeah. and that that's i can give you an extensive review of the water pressure in you know, <laughs> certain, certain places but i you know i'm never gonna 
you know, like I've been to Cologne loads of times and everybody says the cathedral there is beautiful. I've never seen the cathedral in, in Cologne. And, yeah. and I've been there like six or seven times, you know, and that's something that just drives me nuts because I just, I wish I had, you know, two hours to go out and just walk around and, and experience the city. But yeah. hopefully, you know, if, if I do, fingers crossed, have the opportunity to keep doing this, I, I'll be able to, you know, really take the time and, and make the time and fly out a day earlier or whatever and, and do that if, if, if I'm allowed to do that. Whenever you're writing about and sort of making music and stuff and recording in studios, how important is it to you to keep in touch with your fans? Do you enjoy using like social media to your advantage with them? I love that. I think that I kind of enjoy most is, is really being personable with, with the people that, you know, make this possible for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, you know, having talked to all of these people and, and met, you know, people that have come to my shows and I'm always on Twitter. My notifications are still on my phone and everybody thinks I'm crazy for that. But I, oh, I hate wow. the fact that, you know, if, if somebody tweets me at 2 a.m. or whatever and, and you know, I, I am able to, to reply to that, I hate the kind of thought of, of missing that opportunity. Yeah. And, and I think that it's 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 very li- little effort for me, but it's it's something that needs to happen. And I don't... It's it's a shame for me that more artists don't do that because it is, it's such it's you oh you know I owe this to these people they they buy my albums they buy tickets to my shows and, and you know that doesn't mean that automatically I become this kind of entity that that can't you know react or it can't be with other people and and I think that you know it's only fair for me to to talk to these people and and I love that you know yeah. I love being personable and. and and it's something that something I love about Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all of that is that you know you can really give a window into into your life. Definitely, and, yeah. you know, not everybody gets to go to a studio and and make music, you know, and so yeah. to be able to show how that process works and and you know how maybe some of their favorite songs are created is is something that I think is is beautiful and and it's something that you know. I wasn't around for the kind of golden era of the music industry, but I feel like maybe that is the kind of social media is what that era missed. You know, you're only in the news if you had a number one or if you committed adultery, you know? And, and so now you are constantly in front of, of people and people get to pick and choose who they, you know, want to invest in, you know, the time and and to know what's going on with that person. And I think that that's a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, hopefully that will never stop because, as I say, you know, some of my favorite artists and bands are are really, really good on the social media side. And, and, you know, I love kind of getting to know them as a person because I'll never meet these people. You know, it's like Mark Hoppus from Blink-182. He's very good on Twitter and, and, you know, he's, he's constantly kind of interacting with people. And I think that that's... A really cool thing. I'll I'll never get the opportunity to meet Mark, Mark Hoppus, but Blink on 82 for me is is like a massive part of my childhood, and, mm-hmm. and so to be able to get this kind of yeah, given it's a bit diluted, but to be able to get this kind of trail of thought from him and and you know really start to know him more as a person rather than the bassist and the vocalist of yeah. Blink on 82 is really cool, and and I and I think that I will do everything in my power to kind of keep that up and and you know kind of show a real personal side yeah. to me rather than just a sad boy that makes music because i'm not really that sad i think that because i get to channel all of my sadness into these songs you know i'm actually quite a happy person and so it's nice to to show that off on on social media definitely 
And yourself as a fan of music, what's your favourite show you've ever basically attended? So who was it, where was it, and when was it roughly? Um, so probably the most important show for me uh, musically was, was going to see uh, an Australian fellow called Matt Corby. And that was in the, uh, the Electric in Brixton um, nice. a few years ago. That for me was this guy Matt Corby. He's he's a an extremely talented musician and uh, and he's kind of been around for a while. He did the whole Australian. He's Australian. He did the whole Australian Idol thing, uh-huh. uh, and then when he kind of realised how damaging that could be, he took a step back and just disappeared for a while, and then started making EPs and releasing songs. And he had so many opportunities to to release an album, um, but he just he, he you know he wanted to take his time and he wanted to make the album the best it could be and. and I had so much respect for that. It was so admirable for me yeah. because, you know, he, he had a hit song like in Australia called Brother, which is like, you know, arguably one of his uh, most popular and, and best songs. And, and he, a lot of people would have rushed to release an album and it would have been a pants album, but it would have had Brother on it with yeah. the charts. But he, he didn't, you know, he, he took a few years out and, and really made an album that, you know, he, he, he wanted to be proud of. And for that, having heard that from his mouth at the show um in in brixton i've seen him loads of times but the brixton show for me was it was a real experience because he had he had explained that to the crowd and i just thought yeah you know if, awesome. if he can do it then you know i think anybody could do it and that's what really inspired me to take my time with this second record and, yeah and i'm just so glad that i did you know I, re- I recorded this album in 2015 and and so i've had it for a long time and, and yeah it was tough to wait two years to release it but I'm so glad that I did that. because I just made sure I got everything, you know, in order. Yeah. And the the last question from us, who is it you're currently listening to? And is there anyone that you would recommend to our listeners to check out? Yeah. So there's a, uh, sticking on the Australian team, there's a guy called DD Dumbo. Um, nice. He has an album called Utopia Defeated. And that is an incredible record. It's, it's basically, vocally he's, he's, he's very similar to Sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> without the police uh, but the, the music is is kind of as if you grew up listening to indie music and jeff buckley and you know all of these kind of great musicians and it's it's beautiful um that whole record's very good but satan and walrus are the two kind of stick out tracks for me um and then manchester orchestra as i mentioned yes. earlier you know their whole back catalog is great uh i remember when i first said they have a song called the neighborhood is bleeding which for me it's like such a cool song and they released that in 2007 um and they're a great band but their most recent album a black mile to the surface is, is just a beautiful record and, and those three tracks the alien the sunshine and the grocery are uh the kind of transition between those tracks is, is so fluid and so beautiful that you know even if you hate the band i'm sure you could listen to those three songs and, and, nice. and really enjoy them Perfect. Um, just want to say a big thank you for speaking to us at Gigan and I. Um, best of luck with the tour, and we shall see you in Belfast. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for having me. What a nice guy. That's Lewis Watson there. And he'll be playing in the OES Centre in Belfast on the 23rd of September. And it really is a show you shouldn't miss. 
He has played in Belfast a few times before already, but you can really hear the development in his music. And I think that many people would agree that he's taken all the right decisions in terms of his own musical career. And we at Gigan and I wish him all the very best for the future. And the great track we've been playing in the background is called Deep the Water. So it's definitely one for your playlists. Also want to say a big thank you to you for listening to our podcast. This is only our third episode and we're slowly but surely getting there. Um, we'll be with, we will be with you every month with a special interview with a touring artist, followed by a conversation and track from a local Northern Irish band or musician. So if you have enjoyed the episode so far, uh, please subscribe on your platform, share, and you can leave a rating and comment if you have time as well. We very much appreciate it. Now, uh, without delay, I'd like to introduce a track that I believe has the potential to do very well, and it's certainly one of the best to come out of Northern Ireland in a while. So playing us out is Rebecca Fitch with her fantastic song, Another Show. Bad dreams running wild in darkness Amplified but you still see the smile I want you to see They won't recognize the pain you try to hide And you keep telling lies to keep them in peace But it's cold inside the mind that once could set the sky alight And my eye black Love swallows you and can you think of what it might be like if you felt nauseous every time you smile? Just an offhand comment eats your appetite, but is it all inside your mind? And it's been so long, but you won't let go. It's a mad world, but it's all you Times, but still it's hard to find desire to be But it's cold inside the mind that once could set the sky alight And my eye black velvet swallows you and can you think of what it might be like If you felt nauseous every time you smile Just an offhand comment eats you up inside But is it all inside your It's just a bit